You may be seated. I was especially hit this morning by the line, out of the ashes we rise. I don't know about anybody else, but our return to masking feels like ashes to me. Um, But it is a way this time we are working to keep our beloved children safe. They appear to be the most vulnerable. So thank you for your cooperation and for being with us this morning. As we continue our Methodist Essentials sermon series, we're looking at our sacraments today, Holy Communion and Holy Baptism. Our scriptural text this morning is out of the 139th Psalm, verses 7 through 12. I invite you to hear the voice of God speaking to us through these words of Holy Scripture. Where could I go to get away from your spirit? Where could I go to escape your presence? If I went up to heaven, you would be there. If I went down to the grave, you would be there too. If I could fly on the wings of dawn, stopping to rest only on the far side of the ocean, even there your hand would guide me. Even there your strong hand would hold me tight. If I said, the darkness will definitely hide me, the light will become night around me, even then the darkness isn't too dark for you. Nighttime would shine bright as day because darkness is the same as light to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. The psalmist cries out and said, There isn't anywhere I can go that I can escape from the presence of God. And that is true for us. God's presence is always with us. But there are certain things that we can do certain things we can engage in that make that presence stronger to us, that make us more aware of those. And some of those are our sacraments. Now, there's a lot we could say about sacraments, and we could feel a sermon on baptism and a sermon on communion. But today, because we're looking at what makes us different from our other brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm only going to talk about those differences We believe that all who call upon the name of the Lord are going to be with us in heaven. But we're Methodists because we have a different way of looking at a few things. I'm going to talk first about baptism and then about communion. One of the things you'll notice different about us is that we baptize infants. Baptism for us is initiation into the family of God. It is God marking us as his and claiming us. And so we baptize infants. It's a sign of God's provenient grace at work in our lives. The Bible says that God loved us before we loved God. And this is how we know that God loves us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God acts first, we respond. There is nothing, nothing we can do in and of ourselves that will save us. What we do is graciously accept the gift of God, the forgiveness that he offers us in Jesus Christ. So when we bring an infant that we can so clearly see can do nothing to save themselves, we mark that child as God saying, Christ died for all. You'll also notice that when we do that, we all take some vows 
Some parents or sponsors come and stand with that child, and they make a promise before God to raise that child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In other words, to bring them to church, to read scripture with them, to pray with them and teach them how to pray, to bring them to worship, to raise them, to live a life in such a way that when they are old enough, they go, yep, I claim for myself what God has been drawing me to since the day I took my first breath. Additionally, we as a congregation take some vows. We take that child into our fellowship, and we promise to support that family by by praying for those parents, by supporting them, by teaching those Sunday school classes and driving that bus and singing in that praise team and choir and doing all the things to help that child connect with God. We also only baptize once. That's different from some of our other brothers and sisters in Christ because we believe that baptism is a covenant action. We stand and each make promises. God makes promises and we make promises. We are sometimes unfaithful to our promises. We fall away from God. We stop going regularly. We stop living a life that pleases God. But God, the almighty, all-knowing, eternal creator God who loves us more than we can ask or imagine, never, never breaks God's side of that covenant. So we don't rebaptize. What we do is we remember our baptism. Very much like the prodigal son who has claimed his part of the estate, he goes off to live a life of wild debauchery. And when he finds himself at his lowest point, Scripture says, he came to himself. Those are powerful words. Literally rolling in the mud with pigs, he comes to himself. He has an aha moment. This is not who I was intended to be. I need to do better. I want better. He comes to himself. When we have that experience in our faith, we come back and remember that we have been baptized. We remember that God has claimed us and loved us and brought us into God's family. And we put our hands in the water and we remember, Oh God, I am yours and you are mine. And I haven't always acted like it. Help me remember that I'm yours. So we only baptize once, but we remember many, many times. One of the challenges we often get about baptism is, but when do they claim the faith for themselves? We call that confirmation. When a child is old enough, we talk to them about what it means to be a believer, make sure they understand our words, our terms, the commitment that they're making, and we ask them to confirm what was done for them at their baptism. But our goal, our hope, is to be in line with Jesus who desires that all should be saved, that all should be forgiven their sins and live a life pleasing to Him. Our goal would be that from the moment each and every person on earth takes their very first breath, they never have a moment of not knowing how precious, how beloved they are, 
of being fully convinced that they are created in the image of a loving God to dine every day at the table of God's grace. That's our goal. But for those who, for whatever reason, aren't born into a Christian family, who are born into a tradition that doesn't baptize infants, when they do have that moment where they want to be a part of the family of God, we baptize them, and that's a believer's baptism. So they are both baptized and confirmed at the same moment at the font. That's how we view baptism. It's our sacramental theology around the baptismal waters. And this morning, you're going to have the opportunity to come, to put your hand in the water, to put it on your head and say, Oh God, I am yours and you are mine. Help me to remember how much you love me. Our other sacrament is Holy Communion also called Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, but the giving of the cup and of the bread. For us, we practice what's called open table. Anyone may come. You don't have to be a United Methodist. You don't have to be a member of this congregation. You don't even have to be a Christian to come to the table of grace. John Wesley was convinced that Holy Communion could be a converting sacrament. That the very fact that somebody wanted to come and take communion was evidence of God at work in their life. God's provenient grace was already drawing them and wooing them into relationship. And we don't turn people away at the table. That was something that John Wesley had to work out for himself. Many of you know the story of while he was on mission to Georgia, he fell in love with a woman and she chose to marry somebody else. And when she came for communion the next time, John Wesley wouldn't serve her. He's like, you're living out of connection with the will of God because you didn't marry me. Ooh. Well, he underestimated because she happened to be the niece of the governor of the Georgia colony. So very, very shortly, John Wesley found himself on a boat back home to England. His mission was over. But as he reflected on that, and as he talked with people, and as he too grew in his understanding, he realized God doesn't turn away those who come to him. We come to him just as we are, and we experience God's grace. It's not how we come, it's how we stay. Once we've encountered God's grace, we are forever changed. We are shaped by God's grace, by that experience. In the Methodist revival, he saw people invited to come from other traditions, from no tradition, and they came and they received communion and they fell on their faces in repentance and accepted Jesus. And he said, I got to get on board with that. I got to be aligned with what God is doing here. So we don't turn anyone away. We try to make it as accessible as possible. That includes the elements that we use. Today, we will have all gluten-free bread so that anyone who desires to come can come. We tend to use grape juice instead of fermented wine so that any among us who are recovering from alcohol addiction are not tempted and not caused to stumble 
That was not always true. Many of you may know this story as well, that Methodist women, we talked about social justice last week, are the reason we had prohibition in the United States. They were trying to solve a problem. They saw men who were drinking, who were blowing their paychecks, who were going home and being mean to their wives, neglecting their children, losing their jobs so they couldn't take care of them. And they said, you know, if we could take alcohol out of that equation, we could solve all the other stuff. So that's what they did. Now, the grand lesson that they learned is you cannot legalize, you cannot legislate godliness and morality. We must be transformed into the likeness of Christ, not forced into it by rules. But they were on to something. So they were deciding, what do we do with communion? Like if we're going to outlaw alcohol, what do we use to serve communion? How can we get grape juice that doesn't ferment, and it was the Welch's family who figured out how to pasteurize grape juice so that it could be stored and not fermented, which is why you will usually see Welch's grape juice in Methodist churches. Good Methodist families helping us solve Methodist problems as we try to be witnesses in the world. John Wesley encouraged us to receive communion as often as we possibly could. Many of you know from talking with me that if I had it my way, we'd do communion every single Sunday. To me, the most important thing that happens in worship when we gather as God's people is not that I get to stand up and talk. I like to talk. Y'all know that. But it's not about what you hear from me. It's about what you experience from God. We come here. We gather here. We worship. We pray. Because we want to connect with God. We want to hear from God. And I believe one of the most powerful ways we do that is to come and receive. To hold out our hands and be placed in our hands a piece of bread that has been dipped in what represents the blood of Christ. And be told once again the body of Christ given for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you, and we receive. Now, we call those sacraments, many of our brothers and sisters around us call them ordinances. The difference has to do with where the action is. For us, God is always the actor, and we are always the recipient, which is why you'll see me wanting to hand you the bread rather than you take the bread. We receive the grace of God. And then we respond with joyful obedience and gratitude for it. But God is present. At the baptismal font, in the bread and the cup, it's more than just juice and crackers. I've had to remind myself that for almost two years now, and those little prepackaged ones that some of you have, There is one little cardboard wafer that sticks to the roof of my mouth every time I put it in there. And less than half a sip of juice that I can't even get all of with my tongue. And I have to go, but that's okay. Because Christ is present with me in this moment. God is present. When we pray the prayer of consecration, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here on these gifts of bread and wine. 
Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ. That we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. That's the moment where we have said, Lord, change what is happening here. And it's no longer just juice and crackers. We are also instructed in how we as clergy handle those once they've been consecrated. They can be eaten later. They can be returned to the earth outside. The same thing with the water in the baptismal font. But we don't pour it down the drain. We don't throw it in the trash can. Because it's a sacrament of God that is present for us. Now, our Catholic brothers and sisters have more sacraments than we do. They have seven, I believe. And their belief is that it literally becomes the body and blood of Christ. We don't believe it literally changes but it becomes both. We can look at it and see it's still a piece of bread and some grape juice, but it is more because of what God does. More than just remembering. In an ordinance, the power is on the person. It is what the belief I put into it as I do this in obedience. For us, it is the power of God that works on both us and the elements to make it meaningful for us. So we view these things just a little bit differently than those around us, but in powerful and meaningful ways. Um, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. How many in this room have ever been on a walk to Emmaus? Look, there's several hands. Yeah. We find that other denominations, particularly other Baptist brothers and sisters, are incredibly drawn to their Emmaus experience when they go on that retreat weekend. And I believe it is because the power of communion. You take communion every day while you're on that retreat and they experience it differently. They experience it as a sacrament where the real presence of God is there instead of just an act of remembrance. Our sacramental theology is powerful our belief in connecting with God, that these rituals, that everything we do has meaning, and the meaning is to connect us with the holy, living, creator God who is always present. We just need to reconnect. This morning, we're going to offer you communion and invite you to come through the outside aisles to pick up a napkin. We, once again, for safety, will take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and hand it to you. We'll be masked and gloved on there to do that. And if you don't feel comfortable doing that, we do have the pre individual prepackaged. If you didn't get one of those as you came in, all you have to do when we get there is lift your hand and an usher will come and bring you one. But I hope that we as Methodists will deeply embrace our sacramental theology and the differences that it makes. Will you pray with me? Almighty, gracious, and loving God, we have gathered as your people in this place today. We thank you for the baptismal font which marks us as yours and initiates us into the body of Christ for the holy meal that has become for us a representation of your great love and Christ's sacrifice. As we engage in those today, may we once again experience your presence, your great love, the amazing grace that comes to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, and the fellowship that we have with you and one another 
because of your Holy Spirit. This we ask in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.